Hockey. Yeah. You mentioned you're in Montana, up in the mountains. Um, unless you're spelunking, what are you up to up in the mountains? Um, well, I'm currently driving from Seattle to New York City, doing a tour, playing in different little towns, and tonight I'm playing in Garden, which is already kind of up in the mountains, but the person I'm staying with lives even more up in the mountains in a tiny little area called Jardine. So it's just a stop on my Welcome to another great episode of State Rep, and as always, I'm your co-host, State Representative Jonathan Brostoff from the fabulous 19th District, and my partner in good, State Representative David Bowen, will be joining us soon. He's just up the block, uh, and we have a very, very special guest joining us today, Tom Palkowitz, who is running for Congress. Thanks for having me. Let's uh, get your mic heated up, and uh, we'll make sure to bring it in a little... Yep. I'm good. So Beautiful. yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. And uh, we have a lot to get into. We're gonna go over a um, couple kind of national issues, uh, maybe something international, some stuff at the state, uh, some stuff going on in Milwaukee County. But first, we want to kind of dive right in and talk about you and your race and what got you interested in running for Congress. Um, so for listeners who aren't as familiar, can you talk a little bit about your background and what got you interested in politics to begin with? Sure. Yeah, lifelong resident of uh, Wisconsin, grew up on the north side of Milwaukee, moved to Browner when I was seven, and um, went to Madison for a couple of years and ended up joining the Navy. So I was on a nuclear su- submarine for four years, traveled mm-hmm. around the world, and came back to Milwaukee because love Milwaukee. It's just a great place to live. We were talking about family before, great great place to raise a family. And um, ended up with an accounting degree at UWM, Go Panthers, right nice. down the street. And, go um, Panther. Go Panthers. And then um, I was in banking for 15 years. So I, I did what I called my Wisconsin banking tour. So I was at the old First Wisconsin, mm-hmm. First Star, uh, M&I, Associated Bank, U.S. Bank, you name it. And um, it was great. It was an interesting career, yet it just wasn't very fulfilling. So mm-hmm. my brother and I started a business about 15 years ago doing business and executive coaching and really working with people and organizations to really get the most out of it. And I've always been interested in politics over the years. You know, I've, I've studied a whole bunch of different politicians and really just understanding that we're at an inflection point in this country. And... Um, you know, when I was growing up, um, my dad is, he was a, a, a union employee at Hale Smith. Mm-hmm. And he was a tough guy. I mean, my parents grew up in the UP, and, you know, I'll, I'll even go so far as to say he was a bully. And uh, it really, when Trump was elected, it triggered something in me to say, if I'm going to step up, now's the time to step up and do something about it. And um, it was great. We, d- we, had a, we had a great race the first time, ran against Sensenbrenner. You know, people had run against Sensenbrenner before, some really good people, but it was hard to crack that nut from a 70-30 district. And um, we made them fight a little bit. We got it down to 62-38, so we took a 40-point district, closed it to a 24-point district. We always knew that we'd probably run again. And then uh, um, 
right around September, he handed us a big gift by deciding he wasn't going to run anymore. Yeah, that was pretty curious. What do you make of that? Uh, we had heard over and over again he was definitely going to continue. I was, I always thought he was a person that was probably going to do that until mm-hmm. he wasn't physically able to do mm-hmm. that anymore. And I think he just looked at it and said, "I don't, I don't need this anymore." And um, so we we're now running in an open seat, which is a huge benefit to us. Mm-hmm. Demographics are changing rapidly. We were just talking about young families. Young mm-hmm. families are moving into Wauwatosa and Elm Grove and to Brookfield and Menominee Falls. Absolutely. Jefferson County's changing rapidly. So a lot of great, lot of great trajectory, a lot of great trends happening. But the bottom line is, is this country's going in the wrong direction. You know, we were talking about a little bit. It's just crazy to think that this country's being run by somebody who tweets out policy. And then every once in a while has to try to do some kind of retraction, but just ignores the Constitution. Yeah. And so we're, we're in this situation where it really is time for people to step up. And I'm a big believer that everybody has to do their part. So being a, being a veteran, being a business owner, living in Waukesha, my wife and I have raised three, three great kids in Brookfield. It was really time to do something. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very inspiring. And it's it's interesting timing with Sensenbrenner stepping down. There's been a glut of kind of mainstay Republicans who have who have left after the in, during the era of Trump and I think are kind of sick of what's going on. I think it's actually an interesting opportunity that's part of a greater trend for someone like you. You are a Democrat and you're running in an area, like you said, that's not only arguably fairly heavily gerrymandered, but also um, home to one of the kind of conservative mainstays, not only in the state, but in the country there in Waukesha. Crucial Waukesha County. Yes, exactly. And But actually, when you really look beyond the surface, there are a significant amount of Republicans who do have some integrity and are completely sick of what's going on and are not willing to sell out their country for what was their perceived party, you know, quote unquote, and are stepping up and and, um, speaking out against it, uh, changing their vote patterns, uh, even helping out other candidates, uh, things of that nature. And actually, Waukesha is kind of fertile ground for that, uh, wouldn't you say? Well, we think so. I think at the local level, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at the state level, no. I think there's a lot of Republicans, especially in the 5th Congressional District at state level, Mm -hmm. uh, and you know a whole bunch of them, that I think they do have ideas about things that should be changing. But with the combination of Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald bottling things up, I mean, you were there. You were at uh, the governor's press conference today talking about um, a special session just on... uh, on gun violence prevention and starting to do something about it. And here we are today having to have a special special sec- session on something that 80% of us agree should be happening. Absolutely. And uh, we are joined in studio by State Representative David Bowen, my partner in good. Finally here in the fresh in the flesh. Welcome, welcome. So we were there's a bu- in the fresh too. In the fresh flesh. Let's go. <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff you know we want day. to go over, but we were kind of uh, highlighting um, some of uh, Tom's accomplishments as well as you know why he's he's got in the race. We yeah started Had a chance talk- to listen on the radio. Oh, perfect. Yeah, uh, live radio. That's how we do. And uh, you know, speaking about that press conference, you're right. Uh, you know, the gun violence epidemic has truly gotten out of control, and in fact. Uh, you know, you have, I mean, I remember, I remember as a kid thinking, going to MPS schools, thinking how messed up was we had the metal detectors. Yeah. You have metal detectors, you remember yep. that? Oh, and yeah. I thought, and as a kid, I was like, this is not normal, this is not natural, why should mm-hmm. you have a metal detector at a school? Yeah. School should be a safe place, metal detectors are for stuff that's not safe. 
But now it's even up a notch because we had tornado drills or whatever, fire drills, whatever type stuff to get ready for it. Sure. Now you're talking about active shooter drills mm-hmm. in your schools. And creating so much anxiety in the in yep. these young kids. And, uh, you know, I was talking about this the other day. I'm a little bit older than you guys. So when I went to grade school, we actually did uh, nuclear drills. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. And we used, to hide un- we used to hide under our coats or we would hide under our desks. And, and, and at face value, it was like, okay, nobody really thinks like, one, there's going to be a bomb, and if there is a bomb, hiding under your desk is not going <laughs> to save you. Right? Yeah. It's not going to yeah, do anything. Yeah, the force of glass yeah. exploding yeah. through the windows at like hundreds of miles per hour is going to shred that. Yeah. But what what I saw is I don't think it created the same anxiety that it's creating in young people today. And you guys probably yeah. saw this, mm-hmm. right? It, suicides are up yeah. across the board with <clears> young are. people, and this is because we're living in this environment where people are seeing things happening, and we don't have enough guts to do something about it. Yeah. Absolutely. I went to a, I went to a gun violence prevention program last last Monday night in Cambridge, which oh, is sure. close to Madison. Yeah, yeah. And universally, there was this panel. There were everybody in the room. Everybody wanted to see something happen. Sure. And I, I had a chance to speak, and one of the things I talked about is is one of, the, one of the reasons things aren't happening is because of corruption. Absolutely. It's not because we don't agree on what exactly. should be done. 100%. Exactly. It's because corruption is holding a few key offices hostage, and we're not allowed to do what we need to do. Sure, sure. Um, as you talk about, you know, the position that you are taking running in a uh, probably more moderate district, um, leaning conservative, some people would even say strongly conservative district, um, you know, does what does your message change? Um, I don't think so. You know, yeah. I was I, I know a lot of Republicans and I was actually with a Republican business owner. I know it was about three weeks ago. OK. And he goes, Tom. Hey, I know you're running. What are your What are your positions on on gun control? And I said, first off, my positions on gun violence prevention are this, and I just rattle off yeah. the ones that we all agree on. Yeah. And you know what he said? He said, my buddies and I, we were at the gun club and we were talking about this, and he said, I agree with every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I agree. There should be universal background checks. We should yeah. have ERPOs. Yeah. We should look at banning assault rifles. Across the board, there was agreement. The problem is, is we're not voting on them. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and it's interesting because I've had the same experience. I recently um, uh, wrote an article that had to do with suicide prevention and, and the lack of action around gun um, and the relationship between guns uh, in Wisconsin. And we traveled the state on this task force and met with people all over. And the evidence is overwhelming. All the experts, everyone agrees that means matter, that guns play a significant relationship in suicides in Wisconsin, 50% with an 85% completion rate. But after posting that, I got a lot of feedback in like private messages and people posting in comments and stuff. And a significant portion of that are these folks that are posting the same old kind of tired NRA talking points. Sure. And my response usually is, well, did you actually read the article I wrote? And most of them have not. But then when you read it, and then we talk about it, and then we talk, well, what's your solution? What would you like to see? And is I this discuss, the article that just went up? Yeah, it just, okay. it just went up. Um, Explain people you know, like your positions in the article. Well, uh, sure, happy to. Basically, um, Serving on the Suicide Prevention Task Force hit very close to home uh, because mm-hmm. of my personal struggles with my mental illness. I was very early diagnosed with uh, with bipolar and some other uh, fairly severe mental illnesses, mm-hmm. and I had multiple suicide attempts. Any one of them, if I had a gun with me, I would not be here right now. My son would not be born. Mm-hmm. But 
survived that, had a thankfully very loving, capable family that offered support and had the resources to get you know medications and yeah. all the other stuff I needed, and actually went on to have a you know a healthy, successful life for the most part and sure. stuff like that. Not that I still don't struggle regularly, but. Um, but like any illness, like if I had a severe liver illness or something else, it's doable. And it's not something I've really come out publicly with a lot before because in politics, f- first of all, there's still a significant amount of stigma attached to it. Absolutely. And I've never ran from it. Someone never asked me, why are you so passionate about mental health? Why do you work on stuff? I've always answered. Uh, but I've never really come out in this way because... It just carries a lot of stigma with it, especially in a position like this. And um, a lot of people told me it would be a very direct threat to my job or any re-election you know, efforts and stuff like that. But I was so upset by the behavior of my Republican colleagues, I felt moved to action on this. And I've been wanting to write a book about my experiences and kind of, mm. you know, de- you should. break down. Yeah, and there's a, you know, a lot of subject material, unfortunately, uh, to go over with that stuff. But uh but anyway, I wanted to um, maybe use this moment to talk about my lived experience and why it's so important and, and why I also decided not to just go along to get along co-sponsoring all these bills. Because mm. basically, they took you know, a handful of... Uh, they took some bills that I think they already had an idea of what they wanted to do. Basically, like, here, if you want credit for this, you can put your name on it, da, 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 and you put you got a co-sign and put your credibility on it. It's like... We first of all, just the capacity building, mental health care access, um, preventative measures, things of that nature. We're talking about probably close to sixty-five or seventy-five million, not less than two million yeah. in investments. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, sure. and that's just to get us a baseline. Second of all, not even willing to approach the gun situation when we heard over and over and over, and we traveled all over the state. We had hours at in rural and all over hours from the farming groups that we met with hours from the veterans groups and the active military folks, the military experts that we heard from hours from the LGBTQ plus youth hours from the um, various community members, as well as people who are directly impacted in various ways too. And expert testimony from people who study and work on suicide prevention and everywhere went the one consistent through line, whether it was the farmers or the vets or anyone else was Guns are a huge part of this problem. You need to do something about it. And the most common, uh, there were three policy recommendations people asked for, mm-hmm. but the most common was ERPO, that you refer to as Extreme Risk mm-hmm. Protection Order, okay. um, which basically if there's someone who a family member perceives as a clear and present threat to themselves or other, then temporarily they can ask for um, a judge to uh, do a petition and help uh, remove that firearm gotcha. for a temporary moment of time until um, they're safe again and that okay. risk is has been mitigated. Is that the same as red flag laws? Yeah, the, yes. nomen- the common nomenclature okay. is red flag, but I think that's a little, I think extremist protection is a little more, um, makes a little more sense when you hear it because red f- there's a there's another red flag uh, that has to do with HIPAA that's yes. very closely related that I think is a little confused, that I've had some confusion when talking to people about. Sure. So, so the extremist protection order, universal background checks and closing the loopholes that exist in Wisconsin and, um, uh, reinstating the waiting period or what was known as the quote-unquote cool-down period uh, in Wisconsin that was recently lifted under the Republicans. And we would not, they were not even willing to discuss any of those. And I said to my Republican colleagues to their face and then, you know, behind closed doors as well. But, and, you know, one of the, and this is also coming on the heels of one of our colleagues who not too many years ago, just three years ago, 
uh, actually shot himself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we 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 had a state senator from the Fond du Lac area who yeah. who completed suicide via gun, and one of our other colleagues, uh, Representative Shaw, you know, actually talked about that and cried publicly. You know, about his experience. He's a very close friend. I didn't know him super well, mm-hmm. only through our Bible study. Um, but you know, it was very touching to him because he was much closer with him. And even with that, I was like, "Man, come on!" And then, yeah. So anyway, I felt moved to, um, you know, ha- have my piece on it, and I that's why I wrote the article. But but that's all that's all a long way to get around to say. Since I wrote that article, and I've had a lot of feedback, and had people interacting with me on it. There's a lot of people who kind of repeat the same old tired NRA talking points of, oh, they just want to take our guns. They want to take guns. It's all about taking our guns. Then I say, well, did you read the article? Then they, you know, then we get into a little deeper. And then the follow-up is usually like, well, well, what do you want to do? What, you know, what are you specifically proposing? I get into it. And everyone agrees. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that actually makes sense. Oh, yeah. that and for, Not everyone. But for the most part, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah that actually makes and, sense. And the yeah. law enforcement community is oh, really yeah. behind it because the infrastructure is in place to actually make ERPOs work effectively. Yeah. Yeah. We talked to a cop uh, um, as well. We talked to cops as well. And one of the cop who was a part of this documentary who went public with his um, you know, suicidal situation um, that was what his wife said. He said she said I needed to get the gun out of reach immediately, and that was in the documentary. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that people have tied guns and mental health. Uh, you're talking 100%, about suicide, hundred percent. But if we think about people using guns against somebody else and they're in a mental health crisis, the odds are very slim. I think yeah. the last time I saw a stat, it was like four percent or less. Absolutely, much mm. much more likely to be a victim than a perpetrator. Right. Right. But that's right. not how it's spun in these you know, kind of echo chambers that just get all this kind of false news out there. And and I really applaud you for being willing to take on gun violence prevention as a mainstay of your your platform. Because um, first of all, I think in a district like that, people need to hear the truth. And I think leadership and sure. politics, and David is a prime example, I try to live up to this, but doing what's right, and then if people disagree with you, you can explain it. But it's not just like, oh, how's the wind blowing today? Oh, people want this day, people want that. Because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Correct. And it's about convictions. You know, I grew up in an era where the NRA wasn't the NRA that it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I learned gun safety through the NRA. I have a couple of marksmanship awards through the NRA. Mm. And it was interesting at that same gun violence prevention um, roundtable that I went to, this older gentleman, he was 82, he stood up and he said, I'm really disappointed because the NRA that I grew up with is not the NRA today. Totally. Yeah. And that is something that until we come to grips with, and that's why I mentioned corruption before, if we continue to kowtow to the NRA, Absolutely. we're going to keep getting what we got. Yeah. 100%. How ironic is it that the Republican Party that once was is no longer, right? And it's it, it mirrors the same dynamics as you talk about, you know, Jim Sensenbrenner being in that district for so long. He has been through that transition, uh, announcing surprisingly, also maybe due to health issues that he wants to move on. But this is a historic Republican seat, and I very much see a chance for it not to be Republican anymore because there really is no Republican Party anymore, right? What What is left is something that is reminiscent of a president that now embodies everything that this party wants to be rather than the principles that they once had. Um, you know, it, it really talk about, like, the the conversations that you're having. I know you're having conversations with folks that are on the other side, but um, I think it is it is fascinating to see this transformation, not only on the other side that has led them to where they are now, um, but also, like, the dynamics of 
the population changes and just the, the different interests. I can go back to 2018 election cycle and see that Waukesha, Ozaki, and Washington County weren't as red as they used to be. Yes, they're And moving. I think that threatens that threatens oh, uh, definitely. some of the folks on the on the right side of the aisle. Yeah, here's the interesting thing. Um, a lot of Republicans in the fifth district, they're doing they're doing well from an economical yeah. standpoint. So it's really it's really discussing the economy in a way that they can understand, but also there aren't a lot of people who are absolutely thrilled with the way Trump is doing things. Totally. Sure. They might be sure. thrilled. They might be able to say, I like this result or I like that result. The way he's doing it is, is you know, for most of them, they, they just would want him to be quiet and stop talking all the time. So what we're trying to do is say, wait a minute on the economy. You have to understand that your health insurance premiums are going up. Your deductibles are going up. Sure. You know people right now that can't afford their medication because they've already used up their deductibles and can't get more. Mm. There's a free clinic out in Oconomowoc, so it's called the Lake Country Free Clinic. Okay. It is busting at the steam seams because there's so many people that either lack health insurance sure. or don't have the ability to pay their deductibles, so they're coming into the clinic. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of these things happening. Health insurance is a big issue for people, you know, and I believe that we need to u- we need to move to some kind of universal health care position. I think we need to transition over time. Uh, there's about 3 million jobs in the health insurance sector that need to be reallocated at some point. Sure. So that needs to, that transition needs to happen. But what people really care about is they care about their kids and their grandkids. Yeah. And so those two issues, gun violence prevention and climate crisis, those are the issues that are starting to percolate through because there aren't a lot of people anymore who just are complete climate deniers. They believe something's happening, whether they believe it's man-made or not, that, that remains to be seen. But they're also seeing that things are starting to change. And right now we have a federal government that is a lot like the state government. There's a party that says, no, 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 we're not doing anything. Sure. And as a country, we cannot afford to not do anything. Absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the big issues that we run into with the Republicans here. But I think it's nationally is that part of the philosophy that's and and I think Trump is a logical extension of what's been going on to the Republican Party for years. And people just hid behind it or didn't want to acknowledge it. But they have this kind of like win if we win, win if we lose philosophy, meaning if they grind government to a halt and don't get anything like they bragged behind closed doors about having some of the fewest session days in state history. Yes. You know, we there's lots, you know, there's bills around more access for changing rooms and men's bathrooms that we need to get or there's And you guys both know this, the goal of the Republican Party is to privatize, 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 yep. right? Exactly. So if you can create a fiscal exactly. problem that requires privatization. Yep. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the federal government, we're going to have a deficit over a trillion dollars yep. when the economy is doing very well. Yep, exactly. Those two things don't make any sense at exactly. face value unless you're trying to privatize Social Security and Medicare yep. and Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Then they make all the sense in the world. And, yeah. well, and, and also you have this thing that Donald Trump said you know, years ago, which is when Clinton's around, things are going great. And then Bush, you know, biggest surplus to biggest deficit. Then Obama bringing us back, best job growth. And then now we're seeing, you know, it's like they break it, but by the time it really hits, yes. it's up to the next. And that's part of what the Republicans are trying to do at the state level as well. It's just break everything and then run away and then blame the next person on it. But I, I do think that um, there's kind of an interesting dynamic when talking to... I mean, because, you know, at the end of the day, what are we talking about? We're talking about government. And government is really just services functioning properly, having an appropriate amount of regulation. So you have clean drinking water and other appropriate things that people want in society, having the zoo and 
public transit and whatever else government does. And when those things start breaking down and when the wealth disparity gets completely out of control, it's really unhealthy for a society. Sure. We have case studies. Like, you know, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I yeah, think it's and, a dangerous time and, to and be and here we are. Options. And here we are today. I mean, you know, it, I was I was asked Republicans, okay, if you don't like taxes, what's the appropriate level of taxes? And exactly. I never get an answer. Exactly. Because <laughs> it, it can't be zero. Right. Because there are certain things that we have to fund right. that make sense for us. I, I'm just a firm believer that, example, healthcare. I don't mm-hmm. think companies should make a profit off of people being sick. 100%. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make me. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Education, I firmly believe that education is some. It's a right for people. 100%. Um, I said the other day, if we if we want people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, we got to give them bootstraps. Right. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to give people education. You have to give them health care. Uh, you have to try to create a trauma-free environment for children to grow up. And right now, yeah. I think, especially in Milwaukee County, we're failing. And yeah. I would say that there's a lot of rural counties where the same exact thing is happening and people just don't want to admit it. Yeah, absolutely. When we're seeing suicide rates going up, you know, three years in a row we're seeing, and the suicide rates among farmers per capita in Wisconsin is uh, spiking in a horrible way. You know, mm-hmm. it's, no one, you know, regardless of where you're from, it's a horrible thing and such trauma to the family. But, um, yeah, I mean, things are not the, the type of picture that they're trying to, you know, it's, it's not the reality. Well, here's the thing about government, though, is, you know, one of the things that companies invest in is organizational development. They try to make the the organization more efficient, more effective to be able to do more with less. And it's one of the things we don't do in government. We're Mm -hmm. always just trying to keep up with whatever's happening. Yeah, totally. So I think a lot of of all the things that we've learned over the last 25, 30 years when it comes to helping people manage people better, helping to get more out of our tax dollars, these are things that absolutely need to be implemented across all government entities in order to actually get more bang for our buck, so to speak. And there's a way Mm -hmm. to do it. We're just not committed to doing it because we have one party who wants to try to starve it so that it has to be privatized, and we have another party that is just fighting to keep it from being starved. Absolutely. So if you talk about, um, you know, there are some Republicans that are doing well. Uh, I think there also is some stagnation that's that's being shown. I think, you know, Jonathan's example around suicides and around farmers, the bigger narrative is that you have family farms that are pretty much going extinct, right? Because of big agriculture uh, and, and these huge corporations that are pretty much pricing them out. Um, and it's a conversation that I think a lot of folks aren't having on the right um, of like what is causing uh, the root issue of uh, them not getting access to the chance to even to be able to operate and survive. Right. And, and so what's the discussion at the state level on CAFOs? I mean, are, are, <laughs> exactly. Because I went to visit one the last go round and what, I was I was appalled. Where, where was it? At? It was out, out near Exonia. And it was sure, sure. You know, just, you know, there because there was this woman that lived across the street and she said certain days she couldn't actually stay in her house. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of the, when when the wind would blow because there was an actual four acre manure pit. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was open. Well, can we, t- and for our listeners who aren't as familiar with the acronym, can we uh, talk about CAFOs in more detail? Sure. Concentrated animal feeding operation. Mm-hmm. So it is these big industrial farms that are popping up that are replacing these small family farms. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually break it down into animal units. So mm-hmm. that, you know, you can have cows, you can have chickens, you can have pigs, and it's broken down into units. The problem is, is these farms, one, they create a tremendous amount of waste, which the DNR is, is they're trying 
Um, but they're like they're, small they're, cities of animals. They're way behind. <laughs> yeah. But the other is, is they're draining the groundwater supply because yep. they need these high capacity wells to yep. keep all these animals with plenty of water. Yep. So right. two things are happening. They're they're polluting the groundwater while they're destroying it. And, and you know, and to your earlier point, they also are operated by people who have a lot of money that can buy off enough politicians yes. to keep taking advantage, even though the policies that they're pushing are not popular in those communities. If you surveyed the majority of people, they want access to clean drinking water. They want to make sure that their environment is kept safe and that there's things in balance. But the majority need or want is not being realized in policy. Why? Because right. of corruption, like you well, talked about. Well, and the two of you know this, is at the state level, they've taken a lot of the local control away. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is all part of the philosophy of being sure. able to say, okay, we're going to let people independently run these things. Absolutely. And exactly. I, you know, these things should be actually uh, monitored by OSHA. A hundred percent. Yeah. But, but they're not. Well, and, yeah. and even the DNR and what's happened there, you know, there was so much work done to strip that regulatory body away from its ability to protect us. And, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just amazing how we have these Republican colleagues that look us in the eye and, you know, with a straight face, are actively working to poison their communities, literally poison their communities, where their kids live, where their people out there serve and their 55,000 constituents. I just, I, I and, and it's just this philosophy of power above everything, power above everything. So I have a question for both of you. So the governor signed a, um, a special special session decree today. Is that what he did? Um, yeah, an executive executive order. order for executive a order. Session. So sure. so is there actually going to be a vote, well, or is it just going to be a session? That's good. There point. will be a session. Yeah, a there session will be a is se- guaranteed, right uh, by law. Yeah, November seventh, I believe. But the procedurally, the Republicans, because they control the legislature, uh, are able to if they want to bring up whatever they want or not bring up whatever they want. So they don't have to follow the governor's orders, even if it is on gun violence prevention, they could, you know, whatever, double the campaign spending limits again or do whatever other corruption stuff they want. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's the unfortunate part. And, and they've worked so hard to completely corrupt the system and rob any level of, and, and, and that's a thing to get off another tangent, but real quick, the way our government is set up is meant to create conflict. Yes. We have a legislative branch. In fact, we have a bicameral branch. You know, we have an assembly and a Senate. We have the House of Representatives and the Senate. Mm-hmm. We have an executive branch and a judicial branch. Mm-hmm. We have um, the ability to have different parties, and different parties might be in charge of different branches. That creates conflict by its very nature. Yeah. And that conflict suggests that not any one party, any one group, any one person has a monopoly on truth. That there's a lot of people who are smart and they might have different ideas. And that conflict is to bring compromise and to bring all the different ideas to the table and let let it play out as it should. What the Republicans have done is rob us of that sort of uh, you know, concept. What they've wanted is simply, again, power above everything. They'll cheat and lie and steal to get it. And unfortunately, we're you know we're seeing a really nasty play out at the state level, but also federally, where you're going to be working, you know, maybe soon. And I, I see things happening at the state level, and I see the same things happening at the federal level. And and the thing that I think upsets me most is just not having votes on issues where people generally agree on things. Absolutely. That, to mm-hmm. me, is probably the worst thing that's happening right now. And, um, you know, we have a guy like Mitch McConnell, 
yeah. who's bottled up pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the president continues to talk about how the um, Congress hasn't <laughs> passed any bills. But I think this Congress has passed 240 different pieces of legislation that are bottled up in the Senate. Yeah. Because the Senate yeah. won't vote on them. They're and stacking up the interesting the thing is the same thing's happening at the state level. Yeah, yeah. Things, things get moved, things get talked about, but then they just stop. And to me, that's probably, well, two things. One is gerrymandering. Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. It's created environments where people can do that because mm -hmm. they wield more power than what their voters say they can. And then the other is is just you know voter ID or all these other things. There seems to be a, a focus on keeping people from ex exercising their right to vote. So one of the things I was thinking about is now that you have this November 7th uh, session, what can, what can constituents do to try to force an actual vote? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, constituents all over the state, right? Yes. Contacting the legislatures. And I, yeah. I think that's what was important about today. Uh, the governor and uh, the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, standing together saying, look, you know, at least allow a vote on the floor and right. allow every le legislator to leave their opinion for or against, but don't hinder the process. Don't prevent them from being able to share their true perspective. And, you know, we almost saw one of those moments uh couple of weeks ago with Jimmy Anderson's uh, oh my gosh. Uh, speech. And he said, hey, I need 15 of my colleagues to recognize my plight. And um, uh, you Meaning barely had a chance to really get a chance for them to vote since right. it was only on um, uh, shooting it down and tabling. And, the, and the, meaning 15 Republicans to vote with all the Democrats to allow him the accessibility measures that are guaranteed by law through the ADA that the Republicans yeah, do not. Yeah, and I take that back. Not tabling, but they offered the amendment, not in the version that he wanted, but the version that they had. Right, a, a, a poison pill amendment, mm -hmm. or a version. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, let me... Yeah. And I was just going to... So you, since you yeah, mentioned gerrymandering, um, is that something that scares you as far as your chances to be able to win the seat? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't scare me. Uh, the only way to break gerrymandering is to break a gerrymandered district. Yeah. So it's one yeah. of the things we're working on. Also, I've been um, trying to work behind the scenes with all the other communities to get some kind of vote on the table. Um, it sounds like Ozaki County may actually have a vote um, for, with, through their board of supervisors. Mm -hmm. uh, the Waukesha County supervisors don't want to bring it up. Um, to my left over here, Aaron Perry tried to get something passed by the the Waukesha. That's right, city of Waukesha, yeah. and uh, unfortunately that didn't pass. But the more people we get on record, I follow Aaron on Twitter, by the way. There you go. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I told so you. So Aaron, that's what I said. So Aaron's Aaron's I my, didn't recognize him. Oh Aaron's my, my campaign coordinator, and he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, so yeah the, you're really the, good at Photoshop too. I was going to say, I barely recognize you. So the the focus needs to be though is yeah. that we need to keep putting people on record. Sure. Because sure. to Absolutely. me, gerrymandering is one of our biggest threats to our democracy. A hundred percent. Because you can yeah. elect people like Jim Jordan or yep. you know Matt Getz and and Absolutely. And you just end up getting people who are all about power and not about servant leadership or trying to do something different. Ten thousand percent. Well, and on top of that, uh, uh, sorry, we'll grab that door. Uh, live radio, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a windy day. On top of that, um, you know, I think, I think that. One of the things that's happened, and a lot of this is through not only the Republican Party, but the infrastructure that's taken over and created a context for tr for someone like Trump to um, mm -hmm. to be you know pushed into that position or to be allowed in that position is this absolute disregard for this complete 
diminishing of any institution or anything that gets in their way or anything like that. So instead of saying, well, I disagree with you, you say, that's fake, 100%, anyone makes up statistics, that's a lie, da 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 It's like, well, it doesn't fit your narrative, mm-hmm. but you want to tear it all down. And we saw this, for example, in Wisconsin with the DNR. Yes. You know, we had a lot of... Um, well, <laughs> we've had a lot of issues with chronic wasting disease in mm-hmm. Wisconsin mm-hmm. and with deer. You huge know, issues. Yeah. Yeah, huge issues. And there are some people who like, for example, you know, these big cow licks that get all the deer together. You can shoot them easy. You know, there's there's different little things people enjoy because of their style of hunting or just their lifestyle or whatever. But they can also be fairly dangerous if not properly regulated because yes. if you have one deer that has chronic wasting disease and it gets too close to you know it's it's easily spread and hard to get rid of and there are ways we can prevent that but instead what we saw were irresponsible lawmakers saying no the dnr is wrong the science is wrong da 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 and instead of taking a bold stance and standing up to their you know to the people who are calling for this and saying no this is the science this is the reality and we need to do this because it's ultimately going to be better for you and better for the state and better for our environment they said no i'm going to be cowardly and instead blame the scientists who can't defend themselves and attack the institution and year after year of people who are entrusted with their constituents Mm -hmm. trust going over and over and over and over and over on these issues has had an effect yeah and and it actually goes back to i think Barry Goldwater, well before even our time, Mm. uh, this whole idea that you're either with us or against us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we've lost this idea that we need both parties to be healthy, Mm because we do, like you said before, we need this conflict, yet it has to be positive conflict, Mm -hmm. because no one has the exact right answer. But we're in a position today where if you you disagree with the stance, one, let's shoot down the facts, they're not really facts, or two, you're just plain wrong, or you've got a hidden agenda. There's or mm. there there's some way that you're going to be able to make a profit or make money off your agenda. Sure. Drives me nuts to think that people think scientists are making money <laughs> off of publishing uh, <laughs> climate change papers. Yeah. Mm. I, I I recently was out in um, Las Vegas and my wife has a, a high school friend who is actually part of the physics department at UNLV. Oh, cool. and I went oh, to nice. I went to go visit the department. It was it was fascinating because they're working on a room temperature a superconductor, which when you think about it would revolutionize the way that we move energy from plate one place to another. And they were so excited because they had just gotten a $400,000 grant. Now think about this. This could revolutionize the way that we use energy in this country. And they were excited about a $400,000 grant. Yeah. But the thing that struck me the most was is they talked about how they would end up almost having fist fights with each other. Because getting scientists to agree on anything is almost impossible. Mm. So the fact that you have, what, 97% of scientists who believe that not only is the climate changing, it's it's because of man, yeah. is astounding. Right. And, and for Absolutely. people to not understand that. Absolutely. And then, you know, take a position where, well, I don't know. And then we even have our president saying... Well, we need to protect the energy wealth in this country, right. which is which which boggles my mind. But here's one of the things that I always like to think that the Republicans have been able to create a dynamic and a, a conversation that people buy into is it either is going to create or destroy jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. You, totally. There are so many things that we can do to protect the environment, to protect climate, to protect people that actually create jobs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And for some reason, and I, you know, and I'll 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 take responsibility of this myself. Also, is is we Democrats we have ceded the party of business to the Republicans, mm. and we need business to be healthy. We need business to be vibrant, but business needs rules. 
mm-hmm. and that's the point of regulation. I mean, when you talk about clean water, clean air, all these other things, most people agree that business should, businesses should be regulated along those lines. And as soon as you get on the Republican side, though, it's like, nope, no regulation is good because it's going to hurt a job. Exactly. Even though they're not great jobs, and nobody wants another job if you're already working two jobs. Yeah. And you know what? If your wells are poisoned, if the animals can't live, you know, there, there is no job. You know, it's that's the whole point is that regulations. And, and that's something that I just, you know, that really gets under my goat is, you're right, that regulation is always bad. Of course, there needs to be balance in everything. But regulations ultimately usually come into play because something was messed up, and we as a society have decided, hey— I want there to be a minimum level of security and standards when I'm facing, you know, the, when I'm eating food from the grocery store, or, mm-hmm. you know, or eating cheese or whatever it is. You know, I want to make sure that I'm not going to get sick off this and that there's a standard of minimum safety that I can rely on and trust on. Exactly. And, th- and then I guess right now we're dealing with social media in regards to them not wanting to be regulated yeah, to a seriously. certain extent. Um, yet it looks like it's going to have to be regulated because you have somebody like Mark Zuckerberg saying, well, yes, we're going to air anything because we believe in free speech, but okay. that's not the way free speech works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, obviously the government's going to have to step in and put some parameters around what people can and can't do. Because if we rely on people who are making money right. doing it to yeah. suddenly not make as much money, sure. Sure. it's shame on us. It's just not going to happen. Well, And sure. it's also kind of illegal. He has, it's a publicly traded company, right? There are stocks. He has a legal obligation to his stockholders to make money above all else. His obligation is not to society to help people do the right thing. Mm. Maybe he wants to, maybe not. But he's legally obligated to make as much money as possible. And if not running demonstrably fake things is going to cost them money, that could be considered illegal, right? Well, he might get fired from his job. He's the president of the board. Yeah, he's the, you know, he has a board to answer to. But what's funny is, you know, as you say, you know, Democrats can't concede just business to Republicans anymore or or to conservatives. I think it is up to folks like Mark Zuckerberg to stop playing into the argument that above all else, uh, above all else, money is the only objective because your company won't survive. Right. If if the country does not continue on like it always has for generations and it'll, it'll survive for a while though it'll make you a lot of money but it's not going to sure, survive right? for right so i can i can point to the tens of thousands of jobs that used to be in the 30 street corridor at the end of my district right and you know you're talking about living wage jobs in the core center of the city where uh especially the african-american community had access to them folks were able to retire pay for the college education of their kids and even chip in on their grandkids' yep. college education, right? Um, buy a boat, you know, retire with dignity, and build a legacy. On a high school education. On a high school education, very good point. And, you know, those things don't exist, but you had companies that believed at the time that the savings they were going to make moving those jobs to Mexico or to China was the best decision for them in their outlook. For them, but they, they clearly weren't partners in the community. Exactly. Right. And, you know, A.O. Smith, gone, mm-hmm. left a big hole in the middle of the city. It hasn't. It still hasn't been filled today. Those, uh, the meatpacking plant is not coming, as I understand. So those jobs aren't coming either. So, you know, we, we continue to deal with the same issues over and over again. Yet from a bigger standpoint, there's plenty of ways to create jobs. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm just going to go back to health care for a minute on jobs. 
because if we continue to tie health care to employment, yeah. we're going to fall. We're going to fall further and further behind exactly. as a country uh, to the rest of the industrialized, industrialized world, because yeah. most people aren't going to hold just a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you try to just hold a job and somehow get health care in this country, it's almost impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. and completely, you know, folks are out of luck with the result of uh you know, not having access to health care and still paying more than every almost every industrialized country around the world. And it holds down entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to actually start a business if yeah. you don't have health care. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and also competition is kind of the bread and butter of this country, but there has to be regulation. If, you know, we have laws against monopolies for a reason, competition sure. means there's a healthy set of regulation in place necessarily. And that's something that just so often gets forgotten in the conversation. And this whole idea of, you know, it's all the free market, free market also. Well, the people who argue for that are actually the ones who are least interested in its implementation. Mm. You know, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing people it didn't exist. The people who are pushing free market society so much are often those who are the folks behind extreme corporate welfare deals like the Foxconn, for example. People who want to see government invest heavily into job creation by subsidizing private sector industry at the expense of everyone else yes. and giving them a sure. huge advantage over everyone else. That's not free market. No. Sure. But those are the people. And, the rep- and we hear it all the time from mm-hmm. people like Robin Voss, Jim Steinecke, and others who claim to be all these free market. And they talk. They constantly use that rhetoric. Yeah. When and constantly cherry picking. It's nothing. Yeah, couldn't yeah. be further from it. And they're all for corporate welfare. Yes. Sure, sure. Especially for those who pay their campaign bills. Yes. What a coincidence. Well, we have about 15 minutes in the show left, and... First of all, we got to have you back on. So there's so much more to yeah. get to your great guest. But there's a couple other issues we want to kind of touch on. Um, and we'd love you to or go ahead and then we'll, we'll touch on them. Go ahead. I, I want to make sure that Tom had a chance to make his pitch unless you're going to join him. Let him join us. In yeah, the, yeah. Uh, make your the pitch political and we'll also have you all right, join so, us. So my pitch is if you know, so we ran before. So we yeah. have all the infrastructure s- still set up. So mm-hmm. it's it's com. Please go to our website. Check it out. Uh, there's places to volunteer. There's places to hold a house party. And, of course, there's places to donate money, uh, especially congressional campaigns take a lot of money. We did tremendously well last time on what I would call a shoestring. Mm-hmm. And um, we're trying to double that budget this time. And if we can do that, I think we have a, a very good shot at reaching the people that we didn't reach last time. Nice. I have a great story. We went to, uh, I was knocking on doors in Delafield on Election Day. And it was about 1 p.m. and I knock on this gentleman's door and he goes, oh, I wish I would have known you were running. I just voted. And I sort of mm-hmm. looked at him like, well, you saw two names on the ballot, right? Yeah. And But but it just took us so long to get the word out there. Yeah. And now that, we, yeah. now that we've created that, that, I guess, that baseline level, it's now time to take it up a level. So, And the money is really to make sure we can reach the people that we can't reach with boots on the ground. You sure. guys know this. The, the entire state is going to be out knocking doors oh, in a man. couple right. of weeks. That's You're right. not and kidding. And it's going to be great, um, but that's not enough. Yeah. So we really need to keep pushing. Uh, and we've already committed to working with every single assembly candidate in mm-hmm. our area, state state senate candidate in our that's area, um, just because the more we can do together, the better chance we have. Amen. And thankfully, you you did more to help uplift the folks at the bottom part of the ballot, um, partnering and working with them. And, and Yeah, we partnered up with quite a few. Yeah. Uh, Robin Vining, yep. who obviously won. Yeah. Uh, yep. We yeah. worked with Julie Henze, yep. who unfortunately didn't. Um, uh, so there, there were quite a few. Melissa Winker's running again. Yeah. I think she has she's a really a good candidate. shot. She's okay. a great candidate. Yeah. Um, 
We're trying to get Dennis McBride to make a decision either way. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some school he, he board did, member. And he did well. He did well. Yeah, he uh, did yeah. very well. He did very well. He, he was so uh, within a sliver of winning that one. Yeah. And that whole area, like I said before, lots of young families moving in. They yeah. want to see something done about gun violence about prevention, health care, sure. climate crisis. They want things happening. Absolutely. Well, th- Thank you, and feel free to stick around for the last 13 minutes or so. But we uh, we have to also talk about the elephant in the room. Milwaukee County yeah. is getting a new county executive. Yeah, as of uh, which day was that? Is it Thursday? Friday, Thursday? Thursday. It was uh, Thursday. Last Thursday, uh, County Executive Chris Abley announced that he was not running for re-election. Surprised yeah. a lot of folks. It came as a big surprise after he spent so much money and effort uh, coming up with new policy that he'd never proposed before, clearing the field, um, getting endorsements racked up, hiring full-time campaign people, etc. Um, I, I thought it was a complete surprise, but it also means that, well, anytime there's an open seat, it means that there's probably going to be a lot of people running. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a great opportunity to take the county in a new direction. It means a big deal because anytime you have an executive branch of government that comes with some specific powers, such as appointing department heads. Um, but when you have a county like Milwaukee, there's a lot of administrating to do. Sure. And it is a really tough job. I do not envy... Um, Abley or whoever his successor is going to be, uh, there is some really hard financial decisions that are going to have to be made. Mm-hmm. There's a stranglehold that the state, especially under Walker, placed yes. on you know counties. Talk about taking away local control, yeah. and that's led to a significant amount of deferred maintenance and other issues that have compounded. But it also has the opportunity to do great good. Like I said, um, you know, you could get uh, wonderful people like Jonette Arms back at Department of Aging, and mm-hmm. you know, they d- they Absolutely. were on track for some nationally recognized wonderful work there, or um, you know, some great leadership at the parks or at BHD, etc. So exciting times. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, mean, well, I think it, it political wind shift quickly. They say it's Indeed. an interesting race because, and I've I've had some conversations with other people about this. Is mm-hmm. there are. There are legislative positions and then there are executive positions, and they are completely different. Completely different. And I would say for who is ever thinking about running in this position, uh, you got to know that you're stepping in as CEO of, what, 4,200 employees? Yep. Mm-hmm. So Over a billion-dollar budget if, every year. <laughs> if I could make one recommendation, it would be is you better understand a little bit about management yes. yeah, and about sure. hiring That's and firing advice. people. For sure. And, you know, I would say that's your job. You're the executive coach. That's what you do. I would say anybody coming in really needs to take a step back. And if I were in their shoes, I'd be interviewing the people that are already doing the work. Yeah. You know, I a lot of institutional living in Waukesha County and looking in on Milwaukee County. The fact that racial equity is the lens that everything is being looked through is Mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would hate to see that stop. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, I think that point. is such an important thing, and it's groundbreaking actually. When you look mm-hmm. across the country, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of county governments, especially this size, who are trying to do what this county's trying to do. Yeah, yeah, they, we saw some similar efforts in Madison and Dane, but yeah, it's pretty unique. And I think that Milwaukee, although granted, is uniquely challenged in those areas of racism, segregation, etc. And I do, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's 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 really exciting. And of the people who we've heard about. Um, so far, it sounds like Theo Lipscomb is going to be announcing as the current county board chair. Board chair. Um, David Crowley, who's a colleague of ours and a friend of the show, uh, is a state legislator from the northwest side, Milwaukee. Uh, Chris Larson, who ran last time, um, who's a current state senator on the east side in Bayview. You ha- in southern suburbs, you have, um, who are the other? Oh, Chevy Johnson, current mm-hmm. alder person in Milwaukee. Yep. 
Um, who Marcelia else? Marcelia Nicholson. I think Marcelia publicly said she's not running at this point. You sure? I, yeah, yeah. I saw like a cartoon of her face. I'm positive. <laughs> and, but I don't that know came out before. Yeah, I, won't, I won't guarantee this, but I think somebody had a conversation where she intimated that, yeah, she wasn't going to run. Ah, yeah, okay, and she's okay. publicly stated right. it. Brian um, Kennedy. Brian Kennedy. Kennedy Kurt Mayer who happened yeah. to run against Sensenbrenner twice. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, and against David, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, small world. But yeah, we, ha- we have probably a few more who will be popping out the woodwork. Because it's a huge opportunity. Oh, you didn't mention Chris Larson, Senator Chris Larson. Oh, sorry. I thought I'm, I'm not getting a lot of sleep these days. Of course, Senator Chris Larson from Eastside, downtown Bayview kind of area, southern suburbs, mm-hmm. who ran last time. Yeah, looks like it'll be a big, big field of Dems. Yeah, and probably there'll be a few more. There might be one kind of conservative who runs. Uh, I think for sure. Yeah, but it's for sure. It's really hard for a conservative to win in Milwaukee County. The one exception was Scott Walker, and that was after the Amit scandal and CRG was in place. And there's a lot of unique dynamics that allowed that to take place. But um, but it's pretty tough, which is why, for example, David Clark always ran as a quote unquote Democrat. Right. True. Mm-hmm. And I would say one one other thing as an outsider looking in and having lived in Milwaukee County for many years is I think the county is no longer, at least in my mind, considered broken. I think right. I think right. there are now just opportunities point. to get better. That's a great point. So, so it is interesting. I served on the county board for a number of years. Um, I think the perception of the dysfunction between like the different branches, the executive branch and the uh, legislative branch with the board, um, to county executive Abley's and Chair Lipscomb's credit. Like that is not a topic of discussion anymore because now the memory that people have is them working together on this uh, sales tax. Yeah, the fair deal, um, which That's is a huge turnaround. I mean, compared to when I was there, it oh, was yeah. like fine. Like, well, compared to dogs. compared to a year ago when Abley was spending over a million dollars trying to take out anyone who disagreed with him, including Lipscomb. But uh, I have to say that the the fair deal is is great. It was the same basic effort you know i'll tell uh you know i'll tell a quick story um one so i actually ended up voting for jim sullivan who is a former state legislator who ran against abley in the primary last time um and was unsuccessful and then became a department head under him sure, sure. um and and to some success to his credit um but the child support division correct yeah and setting he, setting records i might add yeah, yeah. That and division. Mm-hmm. Very good civil servant. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, but there was an issue that came up uh, a while back, not too long ago, where there's a push to put parking meters at the lakefront and to, uh, and, and I basically said, you know, anyone who doesn't think there's a racial component to this is lying to themselves or you. Like, that, you know, there's, th- this is not in a vacuum, basically, is what I was saying, but there's a racial component to this. And Sullivan got in my face at one of the events and got so mad at me. And he was steaming hot. And he, you know, really, and he's, you know, very, uh, you know, kind of bombastic kind of personality in general. So part of it's that. But he got in my face and he said, you know, if you at the state would just give us the opportunity to raise our revenue, to raise taxes, basically enough to pay for to sure. raise revenue, uh, you know, we could get through this. You know, you guys are holding us back. Why would you blame the solutions we're coming up with? And how dare you call me, ra- you call us racist, and blah, blah. And I said, oh, that's interesting. You know, you blame the state. Yeah, because, you know, the Republicans are in control. But were you, you were a legislator, weren't you? He's like, yeah, I was a state senator. I was like, you were there when you were in the majority, right? 
Yeah, like, and you actually took the deciding vote against the sales tax that you're talking about that would have paid for this by now when we implemented with the Quality of Life Task Force under Larson when we passed the referendum successfully in 2008. And he, you know, walked away after that. But, you know, it's like all that stuff comes back to bite you. And why did he do it? Because he had a fairly conservative seat at that time, relatively conservative seat for Milwaukee. And it come back to bite him twice. He didn't win re-election. And now that he's working at the county, he is getting screwed over by the decision mm-hmm. that was made not to generate the appropriate amount of revenue years down the line. It goes to show every little decision, one vote, every little decision, one step in front of the other. Yeah, and, and trying to do the right thing as much as possible. I will say, though, as, a, as somebody who lives in Waukesha looking at Milwaukee County, there's a lot more, and Jonathan, you and I have had this conversation, there's sure. a lot more Democrats battling each other than anything sure. else. Well, sure. and there's also more Democrats sure. in general. Right, yeah. and I just I just think as, a, as an outsider looking in, yeah. the, mo- the more you can coalesce yeah. and, and really understand the biggest problem is Robin Voss yes. and Scott yeah. Fitzgerald, it, the more you can do that, the better off everybody is. Because I firmly believe in this state, Milwaukee's the economic engine. Amen. And if the economic engine isn't running the way it needs to run, this state cannot be what it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it is ironic that um, finally seeing everybody on the same page with the uh, sales tax uh, and the yes. fair deal initiative, is it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. I went to the board uh, and during the last budget proceedings um, for 2018. I think by that time, everything was smoothed out, right? And if I'm not mistaken... I think so. Yeah, so I went was down an there, budget. and it was so crazy. I was. The, I think I might. Yeah. Shouts out to uh, Alex uh, Williams at the the courthouse basement. The shoe shine. Oh, 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 extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'll just like I'll peep my head up at the county board yep. and just see how things how, how people are. And they're <laughs> in the budget meeting eating pizza. There you go. The whole board. There you go. And the county executive. There you go. And I'm like, where the hell was all this when I was here? <laughs> like, like I feel like I'm robbed now of my. Good times, and I could have passed four times as many bills. Oh and, man, and you are a very active county. If supervisor. I was like, if that was the new, the new norm, but it is the power of people working together. Would Absolutely. you say power of pizza? Absolutely, <laughs> the power of the pizza. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah, we're much more stronger. Got a carb up. We are apart. But Absolutely. I think you know, as, as, as people can debate, like what brought that moment together. But I think at the end of the day, everything else was not working, and. You know, as much as people wanted to uh, fight for whatever they wanted to see, uh, it came to the conclusion, even with the business community, of saying, "Okay, we know that we need more revenue." Oh, the business community was on board at the initial resolution. Boss was in was on the county floor or in the the committee hearing room, um, uh, uh, publicly testifying in favor of the sales tax back then. Yeah. Because I got that clip, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is a moment!" I I got the audio and I put on our website. But yeah, anyway, it's been a great episode with our our friend. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, gentlemen. We'll we'll mention your website and all that in the show notes. Awesome. This is stay repping. All right, we out. We out.